Good morning. So if any of you were at the vigil last weekend, then you'll know initially what I'm going to be talking about. But for those who were not, last weekend here, I preached on St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and namely her definition of authentic love. For her, authentic love, as she defined it, must cost, it must hurt, and it must empty us of self. And I looked at authentic love in relation to the parable of the Good Samaritan. However, this week, I want to look at authentic love from a different perspective. Because starting today, the church is celebrating its Awareness Week for Natural Family Planning. And this Thursday commemorates the 51st anniversary of Pope Paul VI's encyclical Humanae Vitae. So that will be the context of my homily today, but with the context also of authentic love, I want to look primarily at authentic love in terms of proximity. Because in any relationship, one of the most important characteristics is that of proximity. No matter who we are as human persons, each of us desires to experience real proximity and closeness. Proximity with one another enables us to love more and more authentically. To demonstrate proximity, I think, can be best understood in two types of relationships. First, the relationship between husband and wife. And secondly, the relationship between a mother and her newborn child, and relatedly, a father and the newborn child. And here, proximity is expressed clearly because these relationships both signify a union with one another. And this is what proximity ultimately desires and what it seeks. It seeks oneness. And so the love in these relationships does indeed express the very meaning of proximity, of authentic proximity. Rightly understanding this meaning of proximity in our own lives and in our own relationships is very important because authentic proximity directs us to authentic love and to authentic happiness. That being said, there is another relationship of proximity that I want to address. And this relationship is equally, if not more important, than the two I just named. And yes, it's the relationship expressed in our gospel, namely between Martha and Mary in relation to Jesus. And this relationship is important because it speaks of our own relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, many of us probably know this gospel fairly well. We've heard it many times. However, I just want to stop and reflect briefly on this account for a moment. As I was back in the sacristy, I noticed on the liturgical calendar the image for this gospel, and I uh, wanted to stop and pause here for a moment and think about it, because if you haven't caught on already, I'm a very visual learner, and I think it really helps to think of this. And actually, imagine where Martha and Mary are positioned in relation to where Jesus is. So first, let's consider Martha. Although Martha has received Jesus into her house, Martha's entire being is literally caught up with the household chores or the household objects of serving in this activity. And in this way, the Gospel tells us that Martha is distracted. Even more though, being distracted, Martha likewise is nowhere near Jesus. And so, Martha is equally distant as she is distracted from Jesus. 
And so what does Martha's person and what does Martha's life tell us? Well, simply speaking, I think Martha lacks this character of true proximity in her relationship with Jesus. Because if we look primarily, looking through uh, the eyes of constant activity via serving, Martha's eyes are completely separated from Jesus. And because of this, Jesus tells her, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And how true is this in our own lives? Just because we receive someone into our own home from time to time, and most especially our Lord himself here at the Mass, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have a proximate relationship with Jesus. Because with our Lord, we can always go further and expand this proximity and this relationship. Understanding this then, we now can turn our attention to Mary. And what does it say about Mary? The Gospel states that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Mary's eyes are set directly upon the gaze of Jesus. Her heart is also near the loving embrace of Jesus' most sacred heart. This, I believe, is what Mother Teresa is talking about. This is authentic love, and it's also authentic proximity. Now, in no way am I saying that serving an activity is wrong in any way. Not at all. But what I am saying is that like all things in our lives, we need to have this structure, we need to have this priority between activity and prayer and contemplation. And we kind of see this prioritization played out in the first reading. Here, Abraham and Sarah, we know them, but they are a couple who desire proximity within their marriage and with each other. However, we know that throughout the entirety of Genesis, when we hear of them, Abraham and Sarah's marriage is filled with many troubles and many challenges and many difficulties. But yet we notice that Abraham's service is starkly different from that of Martha's service and activity. In the heat of the day, which many of us most recently can relate to these past few days, how hot it's been, even in the heat of the day, Abraham sees three distinct persons, and in humility, Abraham, Abraham runs out towards them to adore the one Lord. He sees three persons, but he adores the one Lord. And so keeping his eyes on the Lord, Abraham desires to serve him in complete charity. As we hear, Sir, let some water be brought, that you may bathe your feet, and then rest yourselves under the tree. Now that you have come this close to your servant, let me bring you a little food, that you may refresh yourselves. And so like Mary, Abraham's actions are fueled by his prayer and his contemplation to God. Relatedly, Abraham goes to Sarah and asks for a meal to be prepared. And he tells her to go to the quick tent quickly, for the Lord is near. Sarah listens to Abraham and prepares the flour. And then finally accepting this prepared meal, the three persons ask where Sarah is. And Abraham responds, she is in the tent. Consequently, Abraham and Sarah's faith is rewarded by the Lord himself with the desire that they have had for the entirety of their marriage. For God promises them a child. And so the gift of a child from God is made possible not only from the spousal intimacy of Abraham and Sarah, which is very important, 
But above all, this forthcoming child is due to the proximity to God and His divine will. Despite their many marital challenges, Abraham and Sarah persevered. And most importantly, they persevered together. And here I think St. Paul's words come to life in our second reading. For we hear, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. It's Christ's afflictions which fill us with His most precious blood from His most pierced side. And it's in Jesus' most pierced side that we experience the fullness of this relationship of proximity. And so this week, I just want to place a challenge before all of us, myself included. And the challenge is this. Currently, in any or all of our relationships, I challenge you and myself to name the obstacles, whatever they may be, that are standing between us and our Lord, or standing between yourselves, myself, and our family, our friends, whoever it may be, colleagues, And what are the obstacles that are preventing a deeper relationship of proximity in these relationships? Let this be the question that we ponder throughout this week. Because above all, God wants to dwell with each of us personally and intimately in the proximity of His divine love in the Eucharist. May we truly remove these obstacles in our lives and like Mary, listen to our Lord's eternal command. He who does justice will live in the presence of the Lord.